Podcast is Houston, and I'm super excited about this episode of the Super Story Podcast because it is about one of my favorite topics, story worlds. Out of all the different aspects of the Super Story model and the transmedia model, building large-scale IP, my favorite, the one I lean into the most, is the creation of the story world itself, the world of your stories. I'm so bullish on Soapbox. I'm so bullish on engagement and immersion and all these things, I'm most bullish on the value of a great story world. I'm completely convinced that story worlds are directly linked to the longevity, the success, especially the financial success of your project. So uh, dig in. Really excited to get back with the guys for a roundtable discussion, Brad and Travis. Hope you enjoy. And please, if this brings you value in any way, rate and review. Thanks. So today, guys, we're going to be talking about uh, the power of story worlds and what a story world is, and uh, and why it's important to the super story process, uh, the process, and 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 just the super story uh, mindset. And I always like when we talk about story worlds. I always like to go back to this um, this uh, juxtaposition um, between two movies that were both released in the exact same year. The, with, with a very similar budget, the same genre, the same target market, everything was the same uh, b- back in the, in the late 70s. One was Star Wars and one was Close Encounters of a Third Kind. And uh, everything is the exact same, uh, except uh, one did well at the box office and made 300 and 400 some million dollars, which is awesome. Another became a $60 billion brand in Star Wars. And, and whenever you have two things that are very similar in all aspects, but then get disproportionate results, it's always good to analyze where the variable is. I feel like that's just a, a good life skill, right? So, you know, even something like, you know, you have North Korea, South Korea, uh, same geography, uh, same natural resources, uh, same climate, same people, same everything. One has wild prosperity. uh, Another has abject poverty uh, in North Korea. So what's the difference? What's the variable? Uh, Obviously, you know, on Independence Day weekend, uh, it's freedom, right? And so it's good to find that variable. Where's that variable that that shifts those results when you have disproportionate uh, results like that? In the same way, we have Star Wars and Close Encounters. And, you, you know, I think we can all say I don't know if you agree with this, Brad, but I think it's probably safe to say that Steven Spielberg is probably the superior filmmaker uh, to George Lucas, right? I I mean, George Lucas was a million ways, but I think Steven Spielberg is a pure filmmaker. I think we can probably say that, right? I think he's a better filmmaker for sure. Um, The question is, is he a better storyteller? Um, I don't know, Maybe, maybe Lucas is a better story architect he, he sure. was able to look at the different elements of story and what makes them exciting to people and and what connect with people. Whereas, yeah, I think Steven Spielberg was focusing on a, a singular uh, storytelling event, you know, a singular experience. That's it. That's it. Uh, I, I would I would uh, uh, respectfully argue, or maybe maybe we're on the same page. I think that uh, George Lucas is the better story world builder, which has its its benefits for longevity and things we're going to be talking about. But I probably I would vote Steven Spielberg the better story teller. I, I think of some of the stories he's told, how in, in the how enriching and in complex and, and and love Star Wars. Sure. Uh, but I think the world, which is so cool, it it helped me to overlook any execution things and i'm not saying he executed badly but if it was just mediocre execution the story world made up for that if that makes sense i I think i think you landed on uh, on on the exact right answer trav because you have you have disproportionate results between star wars and close encounters when everything really should it was very similar in in the preparation and the execution of it uh but years later there was there was a book called how star wars conquered the galaxy and it's um the the uh the 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 author of the book posed this question to steven spielberg like 
I think you know you're probably the the superior filmmaker. Why did George Lucas get uh, superior results? Uh, and and what's funny is that they're buddies, right? Steven Spielberg and George Lucas are are, are buddies, and they give each other back in percentages of all their movies, right? And so uh, George had a back in percentage of Close Encounters. Uh, uh, Spielberg had a back in percentage on Star Wars. Uh, had they had producer points, uh, and so obviously. Um, uh, Spielberg got the better end of that deal, right? Because he got a back end on Star Wars. Yeah. And they asked him, like, how did you come out of that deal, like, so much better than George? Like, why, wh what do you chalk up the disproportionate uh, results to? And he said, it's, it's easy. One, George always viewed Star Wars as more than one story. He, all, he went into it as with one big vision. And, and with that vision, he created a world that people wanted to explore. He said, I was Close Encounters. He said, I looked at it as a one-off. I want to tell one story and I didn't give a second thought to the world. Uh, I just wanted to pay attention to my plot, to my characters, uh, you know, and, and barely be myopic like that. But, but he said, because he had big, George Lucas had big vision and a, a world that people wanted to explore. That's what's propelled Star Wars uh, to just a, a, a really this cultural phenomenon that sort of defied all expectations. Right, really, really interesting stuff. So, uh, so I always, you know, I think I think Star Wars is a good story world. I love the, how they basically he mashed up space and magic. You know, took like magic from a fantasy story, put it in space, kind of created a little bit of a special sauce. So I think Star Wars is, is is a great story world to look at. Though there's lots of other great story worlds to examine. Um, I, th I think you hit on it perfectly when you said it's Star Wars was a world that people wanted to explore. Um, I was just re-watching uh, Ready Player One yeah. recently, where that's a whole, the whole movie's built around, basically there was this guy who loved pop culture and loved being in, you know, fantasy worlds. And so he, he built this game that people literally would just go into and you're exploring it. Sure. You know? and, and that's where the love and the connection just takes over. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? I mean, I think, I think, uh, uh, story worlds is one of the most important aspects to a super story process and to a multi-platform transmedia process. I think it's something that most people look over because most writers look over anyway, because most writers, uh, they get so focused on character. They get so focused on plot. They get so focused on the execution of the dialogue and things like that. They don't really uh, pay attention to sort of what that broader thing is. Um, and, and so, you know, in, in my book, I always, uh, advocate at just a rule of thumb, generic rule of thumb, which is, uh, which is, can you reach in and pull your main character out of your story uh, and still have something interesting and cool? And uh, so is it possible to pull Harry Potter out of Harry Potter and still have something cool? Of course, right? I mean, that's how you have all the Harry Potter stuff that they have with Fantastic Beasts and the Wizarding World and all this other yeah, stuff. I think, you know, that's, that's really where you start to see the distinction between Lucas and Spielberg, right, sure. is where Spielberg is finding a specific person and what is their experience yes. in this world that he creates. Whereas Lucas was very keen on creating people groups. Sure. So you have troopers, you have Jedi's. It's yeah. not just about, even though, yeah, you can focus on one type of Jedi or one specific Jedi, but he's involved with other Jedi's. Sure. You know, so if, I, if ever there's a death, which allows, honestly, it allows in your storytelling to have some kind of dynamic unpredictability of you don't have to always have the same person surviving. And if you want to have a second movie, sure. right, you don't have to keep the same hero. If, yep. You know, you can actually let the story take its course and you still have other people group, uh, people in the people group that can carry it on. Yeah, yeah. I think a, a a great story world always lends itself to you just wanting to meet and understand new characters because a great story story world will um I kind of it catapults uh, characters like because they can do different things within that story world. But it make it, it brings up a question. I've been thinking about this because I started thinking about the the Born series, which I yeah. love so much. I mean, I just loved from the fighting technique, some execution on things like that. And just what those, the, the, his character was, but we find out there were more of those characters. So when I, my question is, would you say the story world is solely 
the physical essence and the makeup or is the story world a combination of tangible and kind of intangible thing yeah, no, so that, that's my question to you guys it's, I mean, it's, good, it's a good question and i think it's both i think uh, i think a story world is uh is part and parcel of geography uh i mean just the fact that it is the it's the world of your stories but it's not just a setting and that's what most uh, a lot of people just think is is anything can have a story world uh but 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 a setting isn't a story world i think a, a story world is a setting that's interesting in some cool way uh it, and um so the so a small uh, stranger things has a small town in indiana uh, Hawkins, Indiana, as as the setting, but the story world is a small town in Indiana that has portals to a mirror dimension that has monsters yeah. in it upside down. Right? That kind of like you know, we've always focused on trying to identify high concepts to, yeah. to build our stories on, and and that's what where the hooks are. You know, yeah. so it's almost like setting up a high concept for the world that you're telling your story in. Sure, and in mean that you're showing what the different what makes it unfamiliar to other types of worlds. Yeah, because I'm sure our audience is thinking that like, hey, what, well, do I always have to have a fantastical setting, if you will, uh, to have this robust story world that get, lends itself to many stories? So, yeah, I, I don't think so. I think, I think you just have to have a place that's interesting in some cool way. Uh, and, and I think if it, it doesn't always have to be fantasy, I think, so, I think that's the lie when it, when it comes to story worlds that, that most people buy into is that a great story world necessarily means sword and sandal fantasy or, or, uh, or a space drama like Star Wars or Star Trek or something like that, uh, it, or, or you have to have zombies or something like that. I think you can have a great story world in a, that, that's set in the real world. We just have to make it independently interesting because if you don't make it independently interesting, what happens is when you remove that main character, then, then, uh, then all the cool stuff goes with it. Right. So, so uh, can you, if you remove Harry Potter from Harry Potter, we, the world is still independently interesting. Can you remove star Luke Skywalker from star Wars? If you do arguably you've made it better. And uh, because there's a lot of people that don't even like the character of Luke Skywalker, you still have something cool. Um, can you remove Katniss from the hunger games and still have something cool? Yes. But now can you remove Rocky from Rocky? If you do, yeah. you have a, you have a setting of Philadelphia, right? You can, you can. Can you? And so they pulled it off with Creed, but uh, did they pull it? See, see, did they pull it off with Creed? Because Creed still has Rocky. I thought, <laughs> I thought for sure. I thought for but sure they were going to kill Rocky yeah. in, in the first Creed movie. I thought he has cancer. He's done. It's over. They're passing the baton. They couldn't kill him. And then they brought him back for Creed too. They'll probably bring, bring him back. For yeah, you can't. You can't kill Rocky. In the movies, but if, if somehow they got it away from Stallone, I can think they could have still done it. Like it, it, I, it, it, it's tougher, right? So, so imagine this. So, so if, um, so you, so you can have surgery and take out your appendix, right? And like never miss it, right? You don't even miss it at all. Can you take out a kidney? Yeah, because you only need one. You got to be a little bit more careful, right? Can you take out your heart or your brain or your liver? No, right? So, so I guess my point is, if they would have, if they would have been building a story world. If it wasn't just a vehicle for Sylvester Stallone the whole sure. time, you're hundred percent right. Built a a box a world around underdogs yes. that could have expanded past boxing into other sports, into other arenas of life. 100%. But yeah, they were purposely building a vehicle for Sylvester Stallone the whole time. So, so Brad, you're, you're taking that into a whole other podcast on how to properly construct and optimize. hundred percent. Right? <laughs> no, you're right. You're, you're right. They, 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 they could have done it. They could have done it. They could have focused on Fishtown in Philadelphia and said, there's something about Fishtown that, that makes the underdogs want to step up and pursue dreams that the world they can't pursue. And, and there's one story that, that out of Fishtown of this, this leg breaker for the mob who wants to become a boxer and go to toe to toe with a champ. But there's also this other story of a fat kid who wants to become a ballerina or a blind guy that wants to become a fighter pilot or whatever it is. Like, like they want to pursue dreams that the world says they, they, they shouldn't pursue. And it's something about this place that creates the grit and moxie in them to do that. If they would have focused and constructed the IP that way, then all of a sudden, can you remove rocks or Rocky? Yeah, it's not, maybe not an appendix, but maybe it's at least a kidney. Uh, but right now Rocky's the heart. 
and, right. and, and, and all of a sudden, yeah. when, when you do it that way, then, then you, you, you get stuck. But ultimately, I think you can do some work to get something like Philadelphia independently interesting by adding, you know, like you said, Brad, Brad a high concept. Um, what, what are some of your guys' like favorite story worlds? I know you talked about, you, know, you talked about Chronicles Narnia. I talked about Game of Thrones. Like, what are some of your go-tos uh, that, that, uh, of, of your adult life? that you just absolutely love? Anything coming off the top of your head? Yeah, I, I wrote some down. Uh, number one, that just consumed me, wowed me, the story world was super high concept, uh, was Matrix. And um, Matrix is great. that was my first background that I had before I wanted to pitch my idea to you guys. Um, yeah. uh, uh, I'm gonna stay with Keanu and I, I love the John Wick, that story world. Yes, he's central, he's super strong, but that story world, of those assassins John you get introduced to a cool concept of where they uh, a home plate a safe base and sure, a lot sure. of cool characters so i have john wick i have the marvel universe um uh, game of thrones yep. and um three i pick even though gladiators were one of my favorite movies i love sword and sandals i pick 300 because i like that world too but 300 yeah sure i think the world of that of the 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 um Spartaca and and, yeah. and what went on there you can follow multiple characters multiple areas in Greece and sure. um, so I picked that world over the gladiator world even though I like gladiator story a little more so Brad uh, I noticed that Trav jumped in there to go first because he just took all the good ones right he took all the big ones yeah. off the board yes. right? like, he just that, that's because in. I got cut off by Syria in the first one so I'm going first that's it that's it what do you think <laughs> I'll go non-fantasy um as an adult i love the the tv show the wire oh wire's great yeah okay you have a story world that's it's not fantastical in any way if anything it's gritty and down to earth and it feels like reality but it's a little bit of a different reality than say most people sitting down on their couch watching uh hbo have experienced you know so it puts you in the town of baltimore in real life with issues going on but what's so amazing about it is they develop this rich architecture of the world where each of the five seasons it's hitting you from a different angle of the city you know you're you're seeing the police and the narcotic game you know you're seeing uh out at the docks and the shipping how that's getting involved you're seeing the newspapers you're seeing the schools you know, you're seeing uh, out down in City Hall uh, when they're reelecting the mayor and all the politics going on. You're yeah. basically, this city of Baltimore comes alive as a this amazing character that you get to know over the course of, what, 60 episodes or yeah. whatever Great. it is. Good call. That's a good call. Uh, I mean, that's the one that just, every time I think about it, I, I'm i just like, wow, like I, I want to go back and hang out there, you know? Sure. I even uh, like had, like at some point watching that, I was like, wow could I be a criminal and live outside the law? Like, yeah. how yeah. would I survive in that world? You know, <laughs> uh, um, uh, for me, uh, some of my favorites, uh, you know, uh, John Wick, I think is a big one. Uh, Deadwood on HBO is just a tremendous oh, yeah. world. One of my uh, favorites. Oh, yeah. It's still very small, non-sci-fi. I love Ozark on, um, on um, uh, Netflix. Justified, that was ran on FX, probably because I'm from Kentucky, and it just kind of gave that whole holler Kentucky vibe uh, to it that I think was 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 just really effective. In the video game space, I love Fallout. I think Fallout's a great uh, a great story world. I love the story world of Red Dead Redemption, uh, and uh, just immersing yourself sort of in that, that uh, you know, playing cowboys and Indians, just like you did as a kid, but now you're going to do it as an adult, which is kind of cool. Uh, so, so it's interesting, like, you know, there's a blend even in our favorites. What actually one of my, my one of the coolest ones is another HBO show called Sharp Objects with, uh, with Amy Adams, Tr- weird little small town called Wingat, Missouri. That's just a bizarre, bizarre place. It's a really interesting story world as well. Um, a couple other ones I wanted to mention before, um, so now we got to mention one is, um, a couple comics series that I really enjoy. Um, one is Sin City that everyone knows. Yeah, Sin City's great. What I love about that is there's, even though the each of the books are kind of following different criminals uh, in this crazy world, they all have these kind of common link-up points, especially yeah. this bar that they all end up going to, and there's, you know, common bartender. And yeah. it's so, as each, you read the books, you get to see, hey, this is the same place, but now there's different guys interacting in, in this world. Same thing with the book uh, Criminal, where it's uh, following different characters that interact into the same story world. 
Yeah, hundred percent, man. And, and and Trav, in music, here's the thing that that I think is interesting. I think music is such a great place to launch a great story world that can create that can be an engine for further IP. Uh, one because it's not budget heavy like film and television, video games, things like that. But if you look at if you look at songs that have great story worlds, um, like Hotel California, I think it's just a tremendously interesting place, right? So it's, it, that hotel that's owned and operated by the devil that you can check out, but you can never leave. Uh, uh, you can check in, but you, I guess you can check in and check out, but you're not allowed to leave. I think that's how the lyrics go. Uh, but the um, yeah, I think uh, which which makes makes you wonder why they let you check out at all. Uh, probably just so they can go ahead and charge your credit card, uh, but then you're not allowed to leave. But like Hotel California, I think is awesome. Uh, I think uh, To Live and Die in LA, that, that, that going back to the 90s with Tupac, I think he painted yeah. LA as such an interesting story world uh, and, yep. and painted it as a place that most people don't know. You think LA is just Santa Monica and Pacific Palisades and things like that. But he, he took people uh, to, to Compton, uh, to Crenshaw, you know, all those areas and kind of like painted the picture of what that world is. There's a dress code B, you know, you remember you better, you better know the dress code B's and C's, right? Like, like there's, uh, yeah. there's rules and politics of the world. Uh, and, and I thought that was really interesting. Uh, the gorillas, I think uh, create great story worlds and just everything uh, that they do. And um, did you hear that? Uh, I think it was a few years ago, Trav, uh, Logic, when he, uh, the incredible true story. Did you ever listen to that? Concept? Oh, yeah. I, I listened to Logic. I didn't listen to that particular um, to to know that that was a story world. Yeah, it's a whole con it's a whole about. concept album, like like set in like this crazy post apocalyptic Earth that goes into space, and really wow. really super interesting stuff. Um, well, uh, your son, one who tipped us off on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> yeah, he's big in Logic. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Lupe Lupe Fiasco is the cool. Yeah, uh, and so I don't want people to to go away thinking the story worlds is just like a TV or a film thing. I think like in music, Trav, when you can set up a cool world in music, that can create the pre awareness that for, that's a, like a budget friendly pre awareness that you can then use that pre awareness to flip into some of those bigger platforms. Oh, yeah, it's one of the the most inexpensive and most powerful ways to actually launch a story world, and and we singers, songwriters, producers, uh, a very small fraction of us even think in story world building within our music because, and the one thing about music because it's so commoditized and, and what happened when, when, when Napster came along, the best thing an artist can do from that moment on is build story world, build IP, and you can take song to, like you were saying, to set the story world up. Sure. And It'll also actually, people usually listen to one to three songs on any particular album sure. uh, on a project. Well, how can you get people to listen to 10 to 12? Well, have it story-based. How can you get people, how can you start making money from the, from the music that has been given away free that you can stream and yep. you barely make money from it? Well, create a story world that uh, go, bounces from the, the album to other mediums, to the comic books games, TV shows that set, you can go to people. Hey, I have a built-in audience. I, this was my, this song sure. and this was downloaded so many millions yeah. of times. Hey, Mr. Producer. Hey, Mr. Studio. Look at this. There's yeah. interest. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's even more important today because it's, you know, when I feel old, but when we were growing up, we went and bought a CD and like you popped it in and you listened to 12 tracks or whatever. But now in the, you know, where people just clean, you're just, so yeah, you could buy singles and you, there was radio before, but when you got your album, it's all of it. But now it's very rare. It's mostly listening to music on streaming service or YouTube or something. And that's just singles and the hits. Sure. So if you actually want someone to buy all of your tracks, you have to incentivize them. To incentivize. Do that. You're hundred percent right, uh, Brad. The, the, I think I think music is sort of the untapped area when it, especially when it comes to story world. Uh, not that you know you still need hit you still need a hit song. You still you still need a good script. And so we're not necessarily saying that we want you 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 should put story world before story, right? That you still need a great story. Uh, but if or, or you, a story world is more important than great execution. Um, I think if you because I think we've all seen at least I've seen things that have great story worlds but then that then have been executed poorly uh in that final product did you guys ever see jupiter ascending um that the what tried to watch it i think i fell asleep two times and then gave up 
Oh man, I mean, this is the Wachowskis. So Trav, this is after they did the Matrix. Uh, basically, Warner Brothers just backed up the Brinks truck, dumped a bunch of money in their yard, and said, "Do." Pretty sure they had dirt on the Warner Brothers, like like the head of the studio, basically. Right. And <laughs> was so- it with the guy who played Magic Mike? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Maybe, right. maybe, maybe. I tried to give it a shot for, for that. I think I only watched a little bit of it. It's tremendously cool story world. Tremendous story world. Uh, just uh, Magic Mike? Uh, was, not not Magic Mike. Maybe an interesting story world. not for me. But, uh, but I, I think Jupiter ascending tremendously interesting story world that was just a terrible movie. And, 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 and you, know, you, can have, you can win an Oscar uh, without a great story world. So we're not saying the story world is is, is a necessity for um, for for a great piece, you know, for for a a, uh, a Grammy winning song or an Oscar winning film or any winning TV show. We're not saying that you have to have a story world for that, but if but a great story world becomes a a, a story engine to create more story opportunity across platform, especially if if I am one hundred percent convinced that that you will never know the revenue potential of your brand until you actually under truly understand what your story world is, right? Because what story worlds do, story worlds create story potential. We can, we can jump off into a hundred stories in this IP. And, right. and the reason story potential is important is because story potential then creates revenue potential. Why is revenue potential important? Well, one, we got to pay our bills as creators. And two, it makes it attractive to buyers, right? Buyers, savvy investors, will always be able to identify a, a great story world as a wise investment. And, and if they see that this thing has a good story world, then, all, then, all, then in their mind, they're gonna say, hey, there's a hundred other things I can get across platform uh, uh, you know, over the next 10 years. And so that is a wise investment. It's like buying in bulk, right? That's important yeah. to your audience because now they're gonna get more offerings of a really cool story. So. 100%. Hundred percent. Because sometimes when when a movie hits or a TV show hits or a book sells or whatever, then the, then they start to scramble and say, "Ooh, what's the sequel?" Right? Like, how do we come yeah. up with a sequel? But it hasn't been optimized from the beginning with the story world that creates more story potential, and then it feels forced. It feels right. like oh, you're just trying to like you know squeeze the lemon, uh, which I don't hate the hustle, but a lot of times just creatively it doesn't work. It feels forced, right? You need that story world to kind of produce produce those opportunities. There's a uh, Trav, you're, you're married to a Swedish woman, and so I'm going to hit you with a little bit of Swedish trivia here. Uh, have you ever oh, yeah. heard of the Swedish painter Simon Stalinhog? Simon Stalinhog? No. No? You're not like... like My wife's not around. Yeah, you need, you, need, you need to get on that Swedish culture uh, and start looking at Simon Stalinhog. So he has a tremendous story where uh, he, he's, he's wow. a Swedish paint, painter that he... Um, he, he like literally just a painter, right? So he creates these paintings um, that are all set in one story world called the Loop, and uh, it's sort of this near future story world where he always paints like a weird robot with a person and an old car. Those are the three elements he always has in all of his uh, uh, in in all of his uh, paintings, and. Um, uh, he just, you know, th- he just stays in his story world and just like produces these paintings over and over and over again, right? Um, what's the reason I'm I'm telling you about Simon Stalinhog uh, isn't because I'm a savant with sw- the Swedish painter scene. It's it's because uh, Amazon Studios goes to Simon Stalinhog a couple years ago and and says, can we purchase the film and television rights for the Loop so that we can create a TV show? out of it right and they did and so it just debuted a couple months ago uh called the loop uh on amazon prime and uh it's a tremendously interesting weird show uh super cool and artistic but what is amazing to me about that is simon stalinhog a swedish painter sold a tv show to amazon without even trying right he didn't have he didn't have uh, uh, he didn't have like a pilot script written. He didn't have a pitch deck uh, ready to go. He wasn't taking meetings all around town, uh, wheeling and dealing. He presented and created a story world that it, it, it so anybody, any of our listeners out there uh, uh, or anybody that's watching the vidcast, go check out some Simon Stalinhog paintings and you'll instantly be uh, able to identify 
the um, uh, just the viability of what that story world is. You can just feel it in your bones. There are so they they approached him about it. They approached him about it and wow. said we want to develop a TV show. And of course he said yes. I mean, what else is he going to do? He's a Swedish painter, right? And he cashed in and he sold the TV show without trying to sell a TV show because he created a tremendously interesting story world. And so and so. The last thing I would say is look at video games. I'm a big, I'm bullish on video games right now, and video games are driving entertainment. Video games and story worlds part and parcel, really tremendous. So we got Simon Stalywog, Stalywog. I get the freestyle man. What's up, fellas? Toss me some of them super story hacks over here. Better, will you buy my story world so I can live forever in the next life? Do it big. Like we should do that every time we have the transition. One of us has to freestyle. <laughs> the freestyle. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I love that. So, uh, so Siri wants us to talk about the super story hacks. And uh, so we always want to be just uh, really drive tremendous uh, practical value uh, for our audience. And so it, let, let's say they say, okay, guys, I totally get it. Uh, I, I, I get the value of a story world. I need to have a good story world. How do I do it? Where do I start? What are some practical things that we can do? Um, yeah, not a yeah. I, did, I, I had a question uh, for that. Maybe you're leading that because I was going to ask you in the next session, the session before. You know, we ha have everybody listening, and you're you're the professor. You're doing this every single day, Houston. Sure. If I'm listening, I'm like, what are the first three to five things to? kind of manufacture that story world this guy you mentioned with the painting he kind of yeah. did it by he had something cool and by accident they came to him how can i be an entrepreneur and proactive and you know capitalize on this sure and i don't think you have to be uh i don't think it's as hard as everybody thinks brad actually hit on it earlier uh one of the big ones and that is is when you're creating your when you're creating your 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 world develop your world one, develop your world like it's a character in and of itself, right? That, that take the time and the consideration to develop your story world as if it's its own character, uh, because then you'll just make it more interesting. But while you're doing that, don't think about individuals in your story world. Because I know as writers, we're trained to think about who's our protagonist, who's the antagonist, singular individuals. Uh, I think when you look at world builders, they develop in groups, right? So it's not... It's not one Jedi, it's a group of Jedi. And it's not even just a group of Jedi, uh, it's good Jedi and bad Jedi, right? right. And it's, it's not just one um, you know, uh, uh, assassin in John Wick, it's a group of assassins that all stay at the Continental Hotel. Uh, it's not just one child wizard, it's a group of children wizards that all go to school together, right? And, and so when you, when you take, it, even if you start with a protagonist, figure out how to then elevate that protagonist to a group, right? It's, it's not just one superhero, it's the Avengers, right? So Houston, if you said um, with John Wick, maybe you have John Wick, would your set be like, oh, I got this cool guy. He is just amazing guns. He's an assassin. So would you, the next step be, you know what? I want a story world of assassins. Yes. And then you take the assassins and then what is your next your next logical way of well, thinking well, to make gotta, it more interesting. You gotta take up the assassins and you gotta put them somewhere. You yes. know, so you gotta choose your location. Yeah. So um so a concept that we always talk about is unfamiliarity. Yep. So you know if you're gonna put your assassins in the real world, then their interactions need to be very unfamiliar sure. than what you normally see. Or you can take your assassins and put them on some alien planet which is super unfamiliar. And now you have, you're starting to develop an interesting concept. So it's, yeah. it's always that sliding scale of what's something that's going to be eye-opening and interesting for your audience. Sure. And I think you're looking for some irony there, right? You're looking to build irony through a high concept. And so I would say, you know, a world with assassins, where, where would you least expect a, a group of assassins to be and to, to congregate? And then, uh, then you put them into a refined hotel that, uh, that has real strict rules of, of how people can operate. And, and, and the big rule that creates the irony is you can't kill anybody. Right. So you have assassins who can't kill. Right. Yeah. And so all of a sudden that creates an irony that creates an interesting location. Right. And so, so we, we know we want to do a group of, of, of wizards, 
right? So let's take a group of wizards and let's put them in a school where they're learning how to be wizards, right? Mm -hmm. That's an alternate dimension of Earth. And so I think once you develop into, into groups, you need to uh, you need to insert that group into an interesting location, right? That that has some irony there. But I think the, the development into groups is such a a uh, such an important aspect of world building because if you look at Rowling and Martin and Tolkien and 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 C.S. Lewis and, and the master world builders out there, um, they always build in groups. And if you just do like the study of the Lord of the Rings, right? It's it's not just one Hobbit, but it's a lot, it's a lot of Hobbits. But it's not just yeah. Hobbits; it's Hobbits and Elves and Dwarves and. What's wizards. important about that is so now you have a group of whatever those types of characters are, and so that allows you to now arrange politics sure you, know, you can have different social statuses you can have different ways that they interact yeah and a hierarchy of of interaction like and that's when the fascination really runs wild and literally if if you just have if you right now are, are a screenwriter or a novelist or somebody that that has a uh, a, a a story about a singular character like a, a school teacher literally just set just put an s at the end pluralize school like okay not it's not just a story about a school teacher what are all the the rest of the school teachers in that school doing right or maybe that school teacher is a mother well then maybe your group is mothers right what are the moms of the town and then that was one the group one that way i brought something up i was uh doing i was doing some consulting with uh our friend allison norrington yep uh for uh a, a producer here who was doing something about marilyn monroe which is like Marilyn, she's this larger than life, sure. historic, iconic character, right? And I, I told Allison, I said, you know what? Uh, we're transmediating for this producer. And I said, I don't know if they'll buy it, but really we should expand this world into uh, a, create a group sure. of, Marilyn Monroe was a mistress of a president. What if we created a world of all the mistresses of presidents? You, go, no, that's you know, uh, I like people wonder like what, what goes on? How is that dynamic? And, 100%. So. and that's how, and that, and that's how you do it. And, and you know, what's super interesting is when, when uh, George Lucas sold Lucasfilm to Disney for $4.2 billion to, uh, to come up with that purchase price of $4.2 billion, you have to do what's called a valuation, right? You don't just magically come up with a price uh, when you're talking about that level of, 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 uh, of revenue uh, and, and money, you have to have uh, auditors come in and do evaluation. So Disney sent Ernst and Young in, it's like a, a, it's, it's a financial firm in LA. They, or it's a worldwide investment firm or financial firm. And they sent a bunch of auditors, forensic accountants into Lucasfilm to decide what the purchase price would be. How valuable is Lucasfilm? And they uh, and all these accountants went through all the assets of Lucasfilm, and they came up with the four point two billion dollar um, uh, purchase price price tag. And when asked what was the single most valuable thing that drove that four point two dollar purchase price, the the answer was very simple. They said the number of characters. There were fourteen thousand characters in the Star Wars IP that had been outlined, developed, uh, that, that, that some had been released, some wow. haven't been released. 14,000 characters wow. in wow. the archives of Lucasfilm that have been developed. And, and so, so what you wanna do is you wanna ask yourselves, why would a bunch of accountants, non-story people, accountants, why would accountants look at 14,000 characters and say that's the biggest driver of a $4.2 billion price tag. Why do you think they would make that decision? What do you guys think? Well, that's just multiplying your story possibilities. That's it. It's 14,000 characters means 14,000 stories, which means 14,000 ways to make money. And that's if you only deal with every character once and never have any crossover. Right? I mean, I mean that's, that's the, the Mandalorian, how, uh, how intriguing that was. I mean, uh, I love that. Sure. that series and right. that's a that's a people group right there and he's just one of them you know right i just want that's the, the, the power and when you when you when you guys are out there there is a way to optimize when you're building your story world and you have first the cool uh high concept story world and then you that lends itself to having cool characters but then you think of in in groups because there could be multiple stories within a single group. That's how you start getting that compound interest, if you will, compound you're stories. You're, uh, you're it's just fascinating. Right. 
you know, if you look at just something like the Avengers, right? Like, like uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man is a great character. Like how many good Iron Man stories can you get across platform? Um, I don't know, let's say 200, right? If you can get 200 great Iron Man stories across movies and TV and comics and games and everything you can imagine, right? Uh, if you go from Iron Man to a group of superheroes, then all of a sudden you can still tell those 200 individual Iron Man stories. It doesn't preclude you from doing that, but now you can tell the 200 Thor stories and the 200 Captain America stories and the one good Hawkeye story and like the 15 good Hulk stories, right? And like, awesome. like it, it just increases that story potential. And so, so I encourage everybody, don't just think about your individual characters. Think about that group. That's the most practical and then put them somewhere interesting have to have it in an interesting place so fargo fargo is another one brad i love as far as a story and, and, and an unfamiliar story wwo3d what would one three do what would one three do all right so so what would one three do there's a lot of stuff out there that hasn't been transmediated a lot of stuff that's transmedia potential superstore potential that hasn't been tapped and so what would one three do so over the past uh couple weeks we uh we decided we're, we're gonna randomly uh, choose something and, and see if we can riff and see what we could do uh and in the vein of story worlds we went and watched a re fairly recent movie i think it's fairly recent right brad uh the uh the movie the movie Hotel Artemis, okay? I wasn't super excited to watch Hotel Artemis, to tell you the truth. Um, it seemed it seemed a little low rent to me, um, but it did have Jodie Foster. But every, anything with Dave Bautista, anything with Dave Bautista it, makes it felt like, relevant because of LA riots. At the well, time you know, we chose it. Yes, 100%, yeah. right, 100%. So, um, so we, we, we watched Hotel Artemis and, uh, and, and what would we, do with Hotel Artemis if we were the group that were, were given this uh, to, to mine for Superstory Transmedia potential. So, and, and, and I'm going to do a, 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 a disclaimer to the audience uh, due to trying to make transitions to move to Austin. I did not watch Hotel Artemis, but I'm going to let you guys leave, but then I, I'm going to join in the riff. So, riff. okay, Trav. No, no worries. No worries. The, uh, you're familiar with the concept. Yes, I, and, and I, I did start it and actually got very interested in it and then did not finish it. So, Brad how, how would you, Brad, how would you describe the, uh, the story world of Hotel Artemis? How would I describe the story world? Um, well, it's, it's a, set in a criminal underworld um, in a kind of a alternate L.A., basically. Yeah. So, uh, you know, people know L.A., but it's a little bit alternate. Um, the way it's set up where there's um, crazy riots, there's water, you know, crisis. Yeah. Um, but basically they, the, ho the hotel itself is kind of the central place of the story world where it's uh, a hotel, hotel that serves as basically a hospital for helping criminals. Yeah. Where similar to John Wick, you can't kill it. You can't kill anyone while you're in there. It's sure. only for members of like that criminal members basically yeah. that can go there for refuge. And it's also kind of an alternate reality in which the technology is pretty advanced where if you get shot up or cut open or something, they can come in and use crazy laser technology and 3d like 3d print new organs for you and like sure. suture you up with lasers. So yeah, there's kind of some, sci-fi elements mixed in to yeah. an alternate yeah i thought it, i thought it was really interesting uh and and this i for me was was one that that the story world i felt was stronger than the actual story uh and yeah, yeah like the story world i think was super cool i always like to try to put story worlds into like a log line format uh just to kind of solidify it and if you can put it into a cool uh, a, a log line format it's probably a pretty good story world. Uh, and, and you're able to kind of simplify that down as, as the Hotel Artemis is a hotel in LA that, 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 uh, that's a member only hospital for criminals. And, that, and that's, that's the hook, right? The hook is with, yeah. the, with the story world. I think it's cool. So I think in the story world conversation, this, this is a pretty good example 
of IP yeah. potential, right? I feel like even yeah. the movie was the movie was okay for me. Uh, I think it's I I think it's because it's honestly, it was kind of a forgettable story, you know. Like when we I when we started recording today, I had to remember okay, what exactly? Like I remembered the cool flashy story world stuff. Yeah, but I had to remember like what were the details of the story. Story, right? I think it's because you know the, the, I think there was a lack of a true protagonist in it that uh, that. Uh, were you, uh, were you yeah. Sterling King, uh, Sterling K. Brown, which Courtney, my, my wife Courtney loves Sterling K. Brown because she watches This Is Us and weeps every episode. I have no idea why she ever watches that show. But yeah. Sterling K. Well, Brown, I watched it with my sister and she's the same thing. She's like, oh, that's the guy from This Is Us. Yeah, yeah. So he, 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 the, he's, he's awesome. awesome. He can go, he can travel across so many different characters. Um, he, he, he's getting up there, man, to becoming my, my, uh, next Denzel I really root for that guy he's tremendous like he and he was the best part of the movie uh but uh but it kind of starts as his story but then switches to Jodie Foster's story uh there I feel like she kind of cannibalized it so it's a, kind of like a weird narrative uh Dave Batista, even though he made me leery of the uh, of it because uh I still even though of Guardian even though Guardians, awesome. Galaxy, Guardians. like I, I get Guardians but uh, I still remember Dave Bautista from the WWE days and I just like don't just take anything he's in seriously um, to my fault because he actually was I think was spectacular in uh, in Hotel Artemis I think he as well, I guess, a great actor. say what the Rock's a great actor he Rock is. is a tremendous actor The Rock is yeah. awesome I agree that uh, but uh, but just I don't know Dave Bautista made me leery but he ended up shining I think in that movie uh, so what would we do with it I think you know immediately Again, it's not just a, one criminal in the hospital. It's a lot of criminals uh, in, in, in that hospital. And one of the things that we identify when we're looking at the story world is we're looking at timeline. Uh, as a how, how rich is this history of the story world? And Jodie Foster, there's a line in there where she says, I've been doing this 22 years. And so, right. so there's a 22-year history that you can tell a variety of stories of different criminals in that, uh, in that facility, right? Right, and theoretically different things that were going on in the world, you know, I'm sure those LA riots weren't 22 years in the making. Sure. So there was other things that would be, you could tell stories about that would lead different types of criminals to come into the hotel for different reasons. hundred percent. Right. Here's the problem with that story world though, is that, is that, um, is the high concept like, like, uh, the hotel continental, this is the same, like they, they painted themselves in the corner. The, the part of the high concept is that, of it is we're going to get a bunch of criminals together, but they're not allowed to fight each other. They're not allowed to kill each other, right? Uh, that's sort of the rules, the members only rules of the whole thing. Uh, and um, the problem with that is you're not ever going to have any conflict inside the hotel um, unless they break the rules, right? And so right. how many times can you break the rules without it just not meaning anything anymore? That's going to be a difficult part. But I think, you know, as far as what would we do with it, um, I think uh, go, one, delving back into Jodie Foster's story about how she lost her kid and, and sort of her history, which then her history with the cop, that female cop there uh, toward the end, that was, that was a really interesting part of a character story that I think you can do something meaningful and touching about the exploration of her character. And then what happens to her afterwards, right? She leaves the hotel and then yeah. Dave Batista takes over, right? So what happens to him as he like uh, is now maintaining the hotel himself? Um, and then what happens to her? I think you can kind of do those sequels, maybe not as movies, but maybe as different things, right? Um, I think uh, I think the most interesting the most interesting character in the whole thing was Jeff Goldblum, the Wolf, right? Was the the, the uh, I think they call him the Wolf King. Wolf King. Wolf King, yeah, the Wolf King, right? Uh, and listen, just as as a officially, I want us all to take credit. We were on the Jeff Goldblum train years before Jeff Goldblum. Yep became cool again. We were developing a project called Fury and we, we wrote a script and we targeted Jeff Goldblum as the attachment we wanted, we wanted for the main antagonist. And I remember we were telling Thomas we'd love Jeff Goldblum and he just kind of, uh, a Fox executive, he just kind of laughed at us. Uh, like, uh, like, you know, why would you want like a B-level actor? Now Jeff Goldblum is hip again. Uh, so I want to give us just uh, uh, Because he was A-level when he did the fly in. Uh, and when did we pitch that to Fox? Was that 2010? Yeah, about 2010, right? Yeah, he did, but Independence Day, he was uh, was an awesome character, you know. So yeah. I had a great career. So guys, guys, I didn't get to see Hotel Artemis, but uh, back to the riffing on that. So criminals typically don't um, have mate, 
there's there's certain beefs, gang beefs, or, or territorial type things. Um, sure. But criminals criminals typically don't fight each other. Yep. Uh, in any way, they're just doing their hope um, hoax. I'm I'm wondering if if this hotel Artemis uh, um, concept is 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 heightened if it it becomes a cool Robin Hood type yeah, feel. Sure where these guys we want to fix and we want to root for these guys to get fixed and change and 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 we heighten the uh the, the hotel that there's n normal guests in there mixed in so the cops are always trying to infiltrate they know that it's a place where criminals uh never get caught because you were talking about the technology brad sure. so i'm thinking if they could change fingerprints uh even uh plastic surgery sometimes yes. like what's the longest running cr crime that yeah, they yeah. just never get caught because there's so much change. They get on the verge of getting caught. I'm yeah. just trying to think out loud right now sure. Sure. To, to, to heighten this concept. Yeah, uh, I think that would be, I think uh, that would be kind of cool. I think uh, especially like it may change once Dave Batista takes over at the end, Brad, which I was bummed. I, I, I'm glad they made that decision because, because what would have happened if they would have closed it down at the end of the movie, then that kind of that, that limits yeah. you to a 22 year history. Then you want to take it the next level. So, Dave Batista hooks up with a businessman. They say, I'm going to franchise this hotel. You know, right. I don't want just one Hilton hotel. I want a, a chain of Hiltons across the world. You know, that's good. Yeah. Hotel Artemis in every major city. Yeah. You know? Right. And then all of a sudden, yeah. So th that, that story world is now expanded almost the, the way JK Rowling did with the, um, with the wizarding world Hogwarts. It wasn't the only school for wizards, right? There were, uh, when she did the, um, uh, the tri the tri wizard tournament in, in 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 book four movie four where they did the uh, uh, what was it the uh, what do you call it the, the Quidditch match where there were now other schools that came right and you're like oh there's other schools all around the world what that does it expands that story world I think it's a super smart move to say there's one in Toronto and there's one in in, uh, in New York City and there's one in South Beach now, now you start to connect criminal networks. And, and I think you have to uh, even make a good soapbox because to get higher people in to want to fix criminals, build up a soapbox that these guys are doing this Robin Hood thing to bring more people in to say, how do you become a worker at Hotel Art? I know it sounds cliche, but you got mail. All right, now we're into the mailbag, guys. Very curious to find clothes when you come out. But, um, but uh, we got the mailbag, and so we actually have a video uh, from, uh, from one of our uh, uh, listeners, Fry, Fry Foodie, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, and so uh, I am going to share uh my screen the wonders of zoom and we're going to watch his video and answer his question check this out hey guys my name is farai and my question is about the advice section of the soapbox is it possible to replace that section with a question or is it better to save questions for a community building stage i'm asking this because i find that Asking questions opens up discussion and it gets people thinking about their own thinking. So that's why I'm just very curious to hear your thoughts on uh, that advice section in the soapbox. Is it better to keep that as a very clear statement or can we replace that with a question? All right. Thank you so much, first of all, for, uh, uh, for sending that question in. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, so good what question. He, yeah, it's a good question. So yeah, so what he's talking about is our soapbox. If you remember from the soapbox uh, uh, discussions that we had, uh, the soapbox is made up of topic, opinion, and advice, right? And we want to get in there and give a specific piece of advice uh, 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 for our listeners uh, to then, uh, you know, almost a call to action, a way forward. I think he's asking, do we need to propose the solution, or do we kind of leave it open ended? What are you guys' thoughts on that? I think, I think that, you know, um, he said, um, he did, he was right when he says 
uh, when you state things as a question, it gets people thinking sure. and it creates conversation. But what I think that movies are built on conflict, irony, and I think that as a, a, a creator, you make a statement because statements can create the same conversation. It can create friction. It can create an argument. That's, that's exciting. That's, that can propel something. And I think as the creator, when you make your statement, there's usually passion behind it. Sure. So I think that gives uh, you uh, more substance to create rather than, well, is it this or is it that? I think you're, you, you're emphatic about it. You make your statement, you give your advice or whatever you feel and you go and then you let people React. agree or disagree yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and then create questions from that. I don't yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say by you by you just giving an opinion on something, it's, it's doing both. It's sharing your view, but it's also opening up the question. So if, so if I hear your opinion, that makes me think about the topic and start thinking about what I think about it, which is the same as what a question does. So yeah. as I do get frustrated sometimes watching a movie or a TV show or something where it doesn't seem like they have a clear uh, opinion on it, Sure. And they're just kind of exploring. And so it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. So and when I'm being presented the story, I want to know their view. But then I, it's still going to generate a question in my head of how do I feel about it? Sure. And what would I do? Yeah. No, I, I, think, I think having a clear perspective as a creator is just wildly important. I think understanding where you can plant your flag uh, and planting that flag is important, but do it, do it with kindness, do it with empathy, empathy, and do it with an openness to be proved wrong, right? And I, I think, you know, just imagine going to, to a party and, uh, or hanging out with somebody and, um, and you're talking to this person and they, they never actually tell you what they think. They only ever ask questions. Uh, and they only ever pose questions. What do you think? What about this? And like, yeah, it feels like you're being interviewed, you know, <laughs> ultimately that can become frustrating. I, I want to know what you think. I want to know what you think, Trav. I want to know what you think for I, right? You make a great point. You say, and, and hopefully my wife won't listen to this episode, but I am telling you, <laughs> should we make the kids this, but where should we go to eat? Where, and I, and I will get mad and say, can you just be the executive? We're, we're, we're co-partners. We're co-owners in this business. Make the decision. Make it right. Have a perspective, right? Have a perspective. Or at least, at least, if she doesn't make a decision, say, I think we should take our kids to Chuck E. Cheese and then go to the park, right? And I'm going to do that because she's ultimately the boss. Or can we all three agree that it ends up that way? 100%, right? But, but I think, I think, um, I think even if you try to not to have a perspective, you're always going to have a perspective. We always put our biases and our, and our perspective in, a, in the, in the stuff that we, uh, that we make. I was listening to Dan Brown. He's the author of the, the Da Vinci code and angels and demons. And he says, when he's coming up with stories, he does, he doesn't like to wade in with a pr specific perspective and advice. He likes to wade between moral questions more he likes to play inside the moral ambiguity without taking the perspective and so uh he all his uh protagonists exist in these in, in between these two extremes so uh with uh with uh angels and demons and the da vinci code it's it's the conflict between science and religion right like the extreme of religion is uh is it, it, he says is anti-science the extreme of science is anti-religion and then his protagonist always operates in the middle um I think even though he is trying to say, well, I'm, art, I'm not taking a side, I'm in between. Uh, and the protagonist is in between. I think what he's intrinsically saying is the truth is found in the middle. I think he's giving advice without knowing that he's given advice because his like he's showing his cards he's showing that his perspective naturally intrinsically in the concept is that you know the truth isn't over here and the truth isn't over here the truth really is somewhere in between because that's the direction my protagonist is going it usually your advice comes in comes through how does your pr protagonist act and what your protagonist does right if in, in taken in taken uh you know the i don't think we want to open up to a question like, what do you think about sex slavery, right? Like, no, we want to like, no, like he's, he's, he's going after the bad guys. Fight for your family? Right, like, no, no, yes, fight for your family, clearly, 100%, right? We don't want to open that up to questions. I think, I think, it, I think, I think you need to do it with, I think the concern, 
that maybe is behind his question, and I wish I had him live here that we could we could kind of get behind uh, that question a little bit, is are you afraid of offending people? Are you afraid of the pushback? Are you afraid of closing down conversation? And, and this is, and, th and that's real, and that's a real concern. And I'm not minimizing that concern because we live in an age of the cancel culture, Twitter mob. Uh, everybody's afraid to say what they think because they think it could be wrong. I think we need as creators to be able to pose perspective and give advice, but give it with kindness and give it with empathy and give it with an openness to say, okay, here's my perspective. This is what I think. What do y'all think about that? And then pose questions from there, right? Just like, it, that's exactly what you said, Travis, is, is pose questions after you give your own advice and make people part of that conversation. But at least we now, we have, we have your perspective. It's kind of like my little background story world. If I created that, that soapbox for that little cat looking at that big lion on the inside, I would say, if I removed mirrors in the physicality and you couldn't see yourself and you embraced who you are on the inside, I'm betting dollars to donuts that you attract more people, more goodness, and um, uh, by not knowing, looking at the physicality and only seeing what's within. And you'll actually project that to people. You, ever, you guys ever see the... Uh, some big burly fat guy with some bombshell beauty from uh, from Los Angeles. You say, sure. how did he get her? Yeah. Usually that guy is the life of the party at the bar or the yeah. whatever. And he, and she's, you know, he, he just loves who he is on the inside. So, it, so making that statement, just using my little uh, uh, pitch there, I want to make that statement um, and, and go with that and create off of that and then let people kind of, uh, uh, decide and make their own theory. Like, you know, no, we need mirrors. I, I think, I think that, I think that um, the hesitancy for, to give advice is because it, because uh, one, listen, we may not have the advice, uh, but, but like, yeah, we may not be able to form it. Right. But I would say like, there's an importance to kind of, to, to think, what, how would I fix the problem? What do I actually think about this? What would I actually tell people to do? And, 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 and before you even wade into the creation of the story, actually try to internalize the whole thing and try to figure out what that advice would be, first of all, and just not be afraid of the judgment. Don't be afraid of judgment when it comes to what if people don't agree with me. I think we people need are, people are gonna follow you. People follow movements and they're out of the 7 billion people on this planet, there's someone who agrees with that opinion and who will buy into it and who will patronize your your offering. 100%. Thank you, Farai, for sending that in. Awesome question. Hit me up with I'm some recommendations so before you go. Here we go. All right. Siri wants, Siri wants our recommendation. Uh, so she said, hit me up with some recommendations before we go. So, All right. Uh, so basically this is uh, the, our parting shots of uh, anything cool that we would recommend to our audience. There's so much media out there, so much stuff out there. Uh, uh, we can't ever get it to it all, get to it, all of it. So, so we go on based on the recommendations of other people. Uh, and so what would we leave our audience with, with anything cool that we've been engaging with or some things from the past that maybe people have forgotten about or stepped over and never actually experienced. Do you guys have any good recommendations off the top of your head? Um, my first recommendation is, um, hopefully this qualifies, but I'm, I'm telling everyone to uh, watch Hamilton on Disney Plus. Ooh, uh, it, it was, you couldn't get in to see it, uh, put on a big screen, put it on the surround sound. That's what my wife and I and the, and the kids are gonna do. Um, I can't tell you it's going to be great, but I'm just really interested in seeing it. And uh, I think it'll be a, a cool cultural experience. Yeah, good, good, good uh, 4th of July uh, weekend type of a thing to do. I like it. I like that. I like that. What about you, Brad? Um, so I want to recommend a movie from last year called 1BR. Okay. One Bedroom. Uh, so, you know, I'm in a new apartment the last couple months. Yep. And, uh, you know, been dealing with this kind of a weird manager type of guy. And then we've had some plumbing issues and dealing with him. And he's secretive in what he tells the our the owner is like weird stuff. And so this movie kind of hit home a lot. It's this chick in L.A. 
she's struggling to survive and so she sees an ad to go rent a new apartment and uh, it's like this one bedroom apartment in this complex and it's like everyone seems really warm and inviting and uh so she she gets you know she doesn't even have a good job but she gets the, the apartment and she moves in and uh it it goes a little crazy from there it's a yeah. it's like a horror thriller and okay. basically turns into like I don't want to give it away, but sure. definitely recommend it. And it's <laughs> if anyone has lived in an apartment in LA, I think it'll it'll hit home. It'll be relevant. Yeah. yeah. Struggle's real. That's good. Okay, cool. And it's one BR is what you said, right? One BR. Yeah, one BR. That's cool. Uh so I have a couple of different recommendations. Is the what you did you stream it or did you uh was it was it Yeah, we streamed it. I, oh, okay. I forgot. I don't I think we paid for it on one of the sites. Gotcha. Um, so I have a couple different res- recommendations. I just finished an 800 page novel called The Wanderers by Chuck Wendig. And uh, that uh, was a really super cool book. It's a really long book, uh, but that had a really cool story world, really super cool high concept. What happened? It, one, I, I started it at, at the beginning of our quarantine, not really knowing what it was about. Uh, and it's about a global pandemic. So I was reading about a global pandemic as uh, I was going through a global pandemic. Uh, but it's a really cool high concept about um, pandemic. Say, well, it's the uh, uh, it's about uh, people that randomly become sleepwalkers and 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 just start start walking one direction uh, uh, in the uh, uh, across the country, and they're completely out of it, and you can't wake them up, and 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 it just like they begin to amass. It starts with one person, then it, then it gets into thousands of people just walking across the country as sleepwalkers, and nobody can wake them up. Really super interesting story. Uh, it, it deals with global pandemics, riots, the breakdown of society, whole thing. Super crazy, interesting story world, great high concept. Ends up being a really good book. Uh, so I recommend that book. Um, from, a, uh, uh, from a music um, uh, perspective, uh, uh, I heard um, uh, Chris Tomlin uh, just dropped a new album uh, yesterday, and he has a new song, um, uh, Chris Tomlin and the Florida Georgia Line. Uh, and uh, uh, that is a pretty cool like mashup of like, pop country but then you have this like christian contemporary artist and they come up with a pretty cool song i uh, just heard it yesterday so recommend that and then um knives out is out on amazon prime knives out is a awesome uh movie ryan johnson uh did uh brick last jedi uh, it's a classic whodunit film that is super just like such expert writing with that so uh so writers if you haven't seen uh, uh knives out uh, go check out Knives Out. Those, so I think uh, this, yeah, those movies, books, music, TV in general, everything on Apple TV, guys, I have loved. Like Apple TV stuff, like Apple Originals have been awesome. Like I have not been disappointed with one show on, on Apple yet. And uh, so I don't know. I've become, I, is it just because I, I love my iPhone yeah, so much? I've been worshiping Apple for like 15 yeah. years Telling you. How much are they paying you over there? I know. I'm just telling you, it's really, really good. Jennifer Aniston needs to win an Emmy for the morning show. She is fantastic. And the M. Night Shyamalan show, Servant, is absolutely awesome. So uh, so I am a uh, Apple apologist all around, officially. So. Please don't forget to subscribe. Rate and review.